Hi, my name is Ruben Porter. I'm the lead pastor here at Crossroads Church, and it's great to have you on our podcast today. We hope this message encourages you, builds you up in your faith, and ultimately brings you closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Uh, so heaven on earth. So this is our Christmas ster- series started a couple of weeks ago. So uh, Emmanuel was the first one. Jake took us to Emmanuel, God with us. It's a great description of Jesus Christ uh, coming right out of Isaiah. Uh, Craig last week uh, chatted to us about Mary uh, and you know wove that sort of that Christmas song or that Christmas hymn, Mary. Did you know in throughout his message and. You know, I was struck last week with kind of the humility and sort of simplicity of the account about Mary and the conception by the Holy Spirit. So tonight we're, uh, we're into uh, the wise men, three maybe, we'll talk about, talk about that as we go. But we started the service chatting about Christmas trees and being a bit OCD with your Christmas trees. I don't care, like I, I like it messy and eclectic and that's my favourite. I'm married to Penny and uh, Penny does not like tinsel like at all. And Penny at the moment is in Melbourne because our youngest daughter, Isabel, is graduating from dance school today. So two years of dance school. So Penny's in uh, Melbourne for her graduation. We're chatting, with, chatting at work with my workmates about Christmas trees, same thing. And I was saying Penny hates tinsel. And they said, Penny's away. Why don't you like just do the whole house out in tinsel? And just like, that'd be amazing. Back on Wednesday, and I'm kind of doing the math thinking, could she be mad for two and a half weeks? Like, is that a possibility? Possible? So I said, yeah, great idea, but no, nah, I think I'll pass, pass on that. But one of the things I, so I like Christmas trees, I like electric, messy Christmas trees. Sorry, don't come to my place. Um, but one of the things I love about the Christmas season is that poster or bumper sticker, you know, the one that goes, wise people still seek him, or wise women still seek him, or wise men or just the wise still seek him. It's got to be one of my favorite uh, kind of bumper stickers or, or posters. And I don't know what it is about it, but every time I see it, it kind of just resonates with my spirit and my soul. And I've done a few Christmases now. It doesn't get old for me. I just, I just love that kind of unique message. It always makes me stop and catch a breath and think about it. What is it about that, that sort of visual, that saying that resonates so much with me. Maybe it's the fact that it's like it is the Christmas season, and if you like it, and I, I do like it as well. Maybe it's that signal, hey, it's the end of the year, you're almost time to have a break, and a good old Kiwi summer. Well, maybe yesterday we had our hopes up, right? But today it's like, whoa. Um, but, you know, it's the end of the year, it's coming, it's time for a rest. Maybe it's kind of a, a messaging of that. Maybe it's that thing about, uh, wisdom, you know, like I think all of us want to be wise, want to be known as wise, seek wisdom in our lives. And maybe it's that thing about wisdom. Maybe it's the, you know, the kind of unique play on words. Wise men still seek them. That was the original version, and you kind of got this sense of, you know, wise men back then, wise people today still seek them. And if you've made it your your life's mission, your life's purpose to seek after God and to seek his wisdom. Maybe it's all those things. I don't know, but just kind of, I really like it. Uh, And you have to say that, like of all the Christmas characters, the wise men have got to be way up there, right? They're just fascinating. They just kind of appear in the Christmas story, all mysterious. Apparently, if you're from the East, anyone from the Bay here, you're pretty mysterious, you know, you're kind of an enigma, and they just appear in this Christmas story. Uh, And, and, 
wise men from the east. Who were they? Like who were, they just just appear in Matthew two? Who were they? And, and and where did they come from? Well, from the east. But if you look at the map, don't do that now. But if you look at the map, that's somewhere like I don't know, Iran, Iraq, Persia, Babylonia, Arabia, that kind of area. Um, the Christmas Carol, you know, we three kings of Orient are maybe from India. Some people even say China. Somewhere in the east, that's, that's where they came from. Uh, where, uh, uh, who were they? Well, uh, the, the Greek word in the New Testament is magos. Magos, magi, wise men. And they were like the philosophers, the scientists, the astronomers, uh, the intellectuals of, of the, the time of Christ and actually before. So if you cast your mind to the book of Daniel, the prophet Daniel, amazing uh, person of God, uh, he was known as a magi, a wise person. Sometimes they had a neg- negative connotation, but often not so much. They were political advisors. You often find them in the king's court. So they were, they were, and they were often really educated and normally quite wealthy. So that's who they were. That's where they came from. We're kind of scant on details. They just kind of turn up in Matthew two, and so, um, and so, you know, like. How many were there? Often three, right? We three kings. But actually, the Bible doesn't tell us. It's logical to think there were three because there's three gifts, uh, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. But actually, the Bible's not clear how many there were. May not have been three. Could have been six, eight, 10, 12, maybe 20, maybe a whole caravan. They came from a long way away. So three might be too small a number, but kind of three gifts. So the story is in Matthew 2. The account is in Matthew 2. We'll go there. So you've got a device or a Bible, open up there with me. Uh, I'll take you through the account, largely, right through to verse number 11. There's a verse number 12. We won't cover that. Uh, I'll take you through the account. Then I just want to uh, observe three things, three things that really caught my heart this Christmas season about uh, the wise men or the magi or the magos. So Let's jump into it in Matthew chapter number 2. I really invite you there to, to read from the text. So, verses 1 to 2. This is what Matthew says in chapter number 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men, some magos from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. So, you know, as you probably be aware, Jesus is born in Bethlehem in Judea, and Herod is the king. There's a number of Herods in the Bible. This is kind of the, the first one we encounter. But he's not, he's the king of Israel, but he's not true king of Israel. He's appointed by the Roman Caesar, and he's not well liked, and he's despised, actually, by the Jews. He's kind of like a puppet king. He's placed in the residence in Judea by the Romans, and not well regarded. In fact, he's really insecure. He's scared to death that his throne would be overthrown. So paranoid, he's a bad dude. He has all his children killed. He has uh, his wife killed. He has other relatives killed. As soon as he got a sniff that someone might challenge him for power, he took care of them. He wouldn't get, let anyone get close to the throne. He's afraid it would be overthrown. So when he hears about this king of the Jews being born, you know, as, they, as these wise men, these magi come, it's going to scare him. But it's interesting, isn't it? So he's right in the middle of Jerusalem in the religious center of the world. 
we didn't know anything about this newborn king, but these magi who come from afar, from eastern lands, they, they seem to know about it. How did they know about it? Well, clearly they had some possession of the Old Testament, of the prophecies that for thousands of years God had said or God had, or God had um, foretold that he would send the Messiah. So, verse number two, it says, We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. I'll talk about the star a bit, but nothing kooky or unusual in this. Stars were used for 3,000 of years to navigate uh, the seas. I went down to Antarctica once and uh, crossed the, um, the Drake Passage, which is a formidable piece of water, like two days of sailing in a kind of like in a boat to get through the Drake Passage. And um, I read the book about Shackleton on the way down. It was really interesting. So um, they were marooned there like a whole Antarctic winter. And they made their way, their, way, their way back in like this 12 like foot dinghy, basically, Shackleton and a few of the guys in the New Zealander, Frank Worsley, who was with him. And they navigated this, this incredible, the Drake Passage has no, there's no islands to stop the wind, so it's just the roughest piece of water in the world. And Frank Worsley, a New Zealander, navigated them back from Antarctica right up to basically the islands of South America. Uh, just by getting a glimpse of the stars every now and then and using their instruments to find their way, and just the most incredible story. So uh, the stars have been used for thousands of years to navigate, so nothing, nothing unusual about that. So uh, they've uh, used the stars to navigate their way. Verse number three, King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this. Now that's an understatement. The Greek uh, the Bible language of Greek means he was absolutely freaked out when he heard this. And when he's freaked out, all of Jerusalem's freaked out because it says, as was everyone in Jerusalem. If Herod ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So uh, that's verse number three. So verse number four, he called a meeting of the leading priests and teachers of the law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? And so the um, leading priests and the teachers said, Verse number five, in Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what the prophet wrote. So that's the prophet Micah, 700 years before this, he prophesies that the Messiah, the ruler, the leader will be born in Bethlehem. Verse number six, uh, this is what Micah basically says, and you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not least among the ruling cities of Judah, for a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. So that's what uh, these leading priests and these teachers tell Herod. So verse number seven. So Herod calls for a private meeting with the wise men. And he learned from them what time the star first appeared, this light in the sky. Verse number eight. And he tells them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can go and worship him too. Yeah, right. <laughs> He doesn't want to worship him. His every intent is to kill him. He wants to kill off anything that threatens his throne, including this newborn babe. And in fact, that's what he did. Just a little later in Matthew, he sends his legions to Bethlehem. They kill every baby boy under the age of two. Uh, there's a prophesy being fulfilled there about Rachel weeping and mourning, Rachel being uh, a name for Israel, um, and particularly the mothers of Bethlehem as Herod kills all the baby boys. But God warns Joseph, uh, Jesus' father, in a dream. And by that time, by the time the legions come, they're, they're into Egypt. 
Uh, they spend some time in Egypt to, to get away from the threat to Jesus' life. Uh, and then they come back out of Egypt and go to Nazareth. And again, another prophecy, I've called my son out of Egypt. So uh, pretty amazing that God intervened there and preserved Christ. So verse number nine. After this interview, the wise man went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. So this is a pretty unique star. It's kind of hovering like some bright light in the sky, and we have no indication that anyone else saw it other than these magi, these wise men. Um, what, what is it? Don't know. God could have made it, but it's an amazing star. Verse number 10, when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother Mary and bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, I want you to notice that it's a house, not a stable. It's a house, uh, not a place where there's a manger. The baby's been moved to a house. And I know that every nativity scene that you've ever seen, and the one you probably got in your home if you've set it up already, has Jesus and Mary and donkeys and sheep and camels and shepherds and wise men. And I hate to break it to you, but there's no wise men in the stable, in the manger, uh, near the manger, uh, no wise men. By the time that the wise men arrive, and it may have been days or weeks or even months after Christ is born, Mary and Joseph have shifted baby Jesus to a house. So they visit him in a house, uh, not a stable uh, or um, you know, a place where they gather animals. So uh, just a bit of a um, transition there for you. It's okay, you can keep your nativity scenes. No one's going to mind. Artistic impression and all that. You're all good, Hannah, don't worry. Um, so... The wise men, wise men still seek him. What made these magos or these magi or these wise men wise? Why were they wise? Well, first thing this evening, because they followed the sign and for them it was a star. This is uh, back half of yes, verse number one, verse two. Some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose and we have come to worship him. God wants us to get to know him. He wants us to get to know him. And oftentimes, he provides a sign or a guide or like a travel guide or some kind of marker which is designed to lead us to him. Uh, and, he, and in this case, in the wise men's case, their travel guide was a star pretty special star, an amazing star, no mere normal star. A lot of people say, have been trying to say, well, this is a comet or it's a supernova or it's an asteroid. Uh, some people try to trace it to Halley's Comet, uh, which comes every 70-odd years uh, uh, to, our, uh, to our global skies. Um, they've tried all kinds of different other stars in alignment about 2,000 years ago. But no star ever did what this star did. The Bible says it appeared in the east and it led them to Jerusalem, which is in the west. So it appears in the east and then leads them heading west to Jerusalem. Then does an about turn and goes south to Bethlehem. 
No stars ever done that. It's not a satellite. It's 2,000 years ago, right? It's a star. I don't even know if a satellite can do that. Um, And it settles right over the home where Jesus and Mary and Joseph were. It's an incredible star. And we don't have, as I said before, we don't have any indication from the Bible that anyone else saw the star, just the wise men, which is just an amazing thing. It doesn't say Herod saw it or the people in Jerusalem saw it. The only people that we are aware that saw the star were the wise men, the Magi. Amazing star. God often does stuff like this throughout history. God's used different things to get people's attention, whether it's by parting the sea or bringing bread down from heaven or a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by day. God often uses different signs in people's lives to direct them to him. You may have a star of your own in your life. You may just never have recognized it as that. It could be um, a book you've read or a person you know or experience you've had or it can be a TV show or a movie, uh, maybe some kind of event or a church. I have no doubt that, that God has brought people into your life to kind of be your star and your travel guide to bring you to him. It can be a, a believing parent, husband, wife, a neighbor, friend, someone at work, even a child. God does not leave people without like a sign or something to guide them to him. He uh, wants us to come to know him, and so he provides these guides, these things like stars. Sometimes it's pain or difficulty or trouble that God brings into our lives, but it's all designed to point us to him. If you're a Christian, if you know Jesus Christ, I kind of invite you this Christmas season to think back to the time when you didn't know Jesus and and, and just consider what were those things in my life? What were those stars that led me to Christ? Was it a person or event or something that happened, which clearly was God guiding to me? I love it when we have people that are baptized. If you listen carefully to their stories, there's always something going on that is guiding them to God. Often I just heard the song and God like just really spoke to me and you know, and, they, and that's the thing that's guiding them to Christ and, and to God the Father. So um, if you can think back, I invite you to do that and thank God for the stars in your life. Look at what the wise men did when they saw the star over the house, verse number 10. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. If you don't know Christ yet, if, you don't, if you're a seeker, if you're on your journey, you're not there yet, I want you to consider, how is God guiding me or leading me to himself? What are those things that have come into my life? Recognize them for what they are. Don't ignore them. Because God is gently but clearly and carefully leading you to him. Tell you how this worked for me. I was was 17 when uh, God, I mean, God had been kind of, how would I say it? Just kind of messing with me a bit when I was in my teenage years, but 17, ramped up, 17 he ramped up his program big time. Uh, in, uh, my, in the yearbook in the last year of school, my quote is, I'll never become a Christian, uh, which I must have said early on in the last year of school because God's like, yeah, whatever. <laughs> he came after me and um, really pursued me. I was just, man, I was under conviction. And uh, I've always uh, really enjoyed the, the music of Elton John. And I know, I understand lifestyle and things like that, but I've always really, just really liked uh, the, the music of Elton John. And there's a song by Elton John, your song, one of his early most favorite songs. 
still, people still, it's still around. I mean, Elton John's been around 50 years making music. Pretty amazing. But let me, um, this, this lyric in this Elton John song, your song, goes like this. I sat on the roof and I kicked off the moss. Well, a few of the verses, well, they got me quite cross. And there's nothing to do with Jesus Christ or God or anything spiritual. He's getting mad, right? But at that time in my life, all this word cross just bounced out at me in neon lights from that lyric, which I couldn't quite hear or understand what he was saying. But what I really heard was cross, cross. And uh, man, that resonated with me uh, in an amazing way. I'll never forget your song. It holds really significant meaning in my life. And you say, that's weird, man. That lyric has nothing to do with anything. How can that? I've got to tell you, God is not shy. He, he used anything <laughs> to guide you and, and bring you to him. He is not shy. In the, in, the, in the Bible, he's used a donkey to talk to someone. Man. He's used a burning bush, a bush that's burning and is not burned up, to talk to someone. Uh, he's used a giant fish to catch someone's attention. One point, he took a human hand, severed the fingers off. Well, I don't know. This, I'm, I'm kind of embellishing this a bit, but... Um, and use the fingers to write on a wall. I mean, God ain't shy. <laughs> he will use things to grab our attention. Book of Hebrews says that God is not a formula. He is a consuming fire. So, what is the star in your life? How is God guiding you in your life? For the wise men, they saw the star and they followed it. And it led them to Christ. What is your star? Secondly, tonight, they found the son and they didn't give up, verses 9 to 11. After the interview with Herod, the wise men went on their way, and the star they'd seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. Went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was, and when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house, and, the, and they saw the child with his mother Mary. Now, these wise men, these pagans, these men from the east were willing to go to any length to find the sun. Verse number one says they went on a long journey from the east. It probably took four to six months for them to make it from their home to Jerusalem and then to Bethlehem. I mean, that's across the hot, scorching desert. That is some serious commitment to find and search for the sun. They traveled at least a thousand kilometers and it was expensive, really expensive to travel in those days. This is a costly journey and they didn't give up. They didn't stop till they found Jesus. They, they didn't give up. That's what made them wise. And if you're wise, if you're seeking and you haven't stepped across the line, line yet, I, I'm just going to say, don't give up. Never give up. Never stop until you find the Son, until you find Jesus and see him face to face. If you're a Christian and you know Christ, knowing God is a lifelong quest that I encourage you, never give up. I love John 17, 13, this is what it says. And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true, true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. The Christian life, eternal life, is about knowing God and his son, Jesus Christ. And I want to just encourage you, never give up. Never give up knowing and getting to know and knowing Christ better in your life. 
It's ironic, kind of, when Jesus was born, like I said, the religious, religious, religious center of the universe was like 10 kilometers away from Bethlehem. And all the religious scholarship in the world was centered in Jerusalem, 10 kilometers away, but no religious leader ever took that journey to see the Christ. The people that did come weren't even believers. They were pagans from a foreign country. But they were after that babe. And they didn't give up till they found him. A thousand meters on foot and camel across the desert. Amazing. A lot of people start off in life with great questions. Who am I? What's the purpose of my life? What's life all about? Is there a God? Then, you know, we get distracted. Busy making a living, busy at work, busy gathering followers, busy with kids, busy with interests, and and all of a sudden those distractions crowd out the big questions of life. That's not wise. Wise people seek the sun, and they're willing to go to any length to find him. They found the sun, and they didn't give up till they found him. And finally tonight, they fell down before him and gave gifts. Verse number 11. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chest and they gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, the, the white, just consider this. These wise men, they really know who this baby is. What makes this baby different from any other baby? It's just a normal baby. No, it's not. Hundreds of babies were probably born around the world at this time. Uh, It's about 5 BC, but it splits time or the calendar between BC and AD. How do we know it's about 5? Herod, who we considered early on, died in 4 BC. So we know it's somewhere around 5. What's so different about this baby? Uh, Well, the Bible says he's no mere baby. He's God and man all in one, which Craig covered with us last week. He was the God-man, and he came to earth so we could get to know what God is like. You know, you can know something about God from nature. We know that God is powerful. We know he's creative. We know he loves variety. But Jesus came to earth so we could really understand what God is like. He's loving. He's personal. He's available. He's a plan for our lives. He's our Christmas gift. He came to earth in human form, and nobody's afraid of him because who's afraid of a baby, right? How do they realize they were worshiping God? Well, we know because of the way they reacted. They bowed down, they fell down, and worshiped him. When was the last time you fell down in front of a baby and worshiped it? Like, it's just amazing. And they recognized him as God. They were filled with awe. They fell on their knees and said, It's amazing that God has sent this baby. Uh, He's going to grow up. He's going to experience life like we all do. uh, And we can relate to him. He's God. Then it says that the Magi bought, the Magos bought gifts. It says they opened their treasure chests and they gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. One little preschooler put it this way. The maggots brought gifts. They brought gifts of gold, Frankenstein and the Smurfs. I thought that was pretty cool. But even, you know, these gifts that the wise men brought, they tell us something of who this baby was. First, they brought gold. Gold's a gift you always give kings. It represents royalties. And in those days, if you were going to visit a king, you took gold. It was the most precious metal known to man at that time, mankind at the time. Intrinsic worth. It was the most 
amazing gift to give, and you always gave gold to kings. And in giving the gift of gold, they were acknowledging, hey, this baby is a king. Then it says they gave frankincense. Frankincense is really rare. It's um, a very, very expensive incense. It's made from the bark of a tree in Arabia. And frankincense was used to burn in the temple to worship God. So when they brought frankincense, what they were saying was, this is God. This baby's God, and it's worthy of our worship. Then lastly, it says the third gift, they brought the baby myrrh. So this is a strange gift. So myrrh is a spice that in the ancient world they used to embalm bodies. Why in the world would you give a death uh, spice to a baby? Because in all the mysteriousness and the magnificence of this visit of the wise men, the magi, they recognize that this baby, this God-man, this one they came to worship was going to be a messiah a savior. He was going to die. He was going to die. He was going to live and then he was going to die. He was going to sacrifice himself so that we can go to heaven one day. This baby had not come to live, but had come to die. So they gave him myrrh. It's a great question, isn't it? Uh, What will you give Christ this Christmas? I mean, what do you give the God who has everything? <laughs> you made the heavens and the earth. Well, there's some things that God doesn't have unless you give it to him. He doesn't have your trust, your faith, unless you personally give it to him. I, I think this is an incredible account that God orchestrated these wise men, these magi from like a thousand kilometers in the east at the exact right time to see a star, to follow a star and arrive at the place where Christ was born. That's an incredible thing to do. They're just the most amazing, fascinating people in this account. Take some organization, right? God can do that. God can look after you. The one thing you can, one of the things you can give him is your faith or your trust, to trust him with your stuff. Second thing you can give him is first place in your life. First place. Often he gets crowded out, right? We get distracted. What do you give the God who has everything? First place in your life. Third thing you can give him is your heart. Your heart is a place where it all happens. It's your values, it's your love, it's your passion, it's your adoration, it's your motivation. God puts stars in our lives to lead us to him because he wants our hearts. He wants all of us devoted to him. Through that, you give him your worship, You give him your attention. You give him your gifts and your abilities, the things that he's given you. That's what you give a God who has everything. You give him yourself. Three big questions tonight from the Magi, the Magos, the wise men. 
He's put stuff in your life to lead you to him. Have you recognized and followed the sign? Because he's calling. Secondly, he wants you to find the son and then spend your life getting to know him. Will you give up? Or will you keep going and experience the son? Third thing, he wants you to bow down and give of yourself to him. That's what he's calling you 2023 this Christmas to give yourself to him. Will you make a commitment to that? Let's stand together and we're going to pray. Bow heads and Heavenly Father, we've come before you this evening to consider this group of wise men that came from East, beautifully orchestrated by you, over four to six months, over thousands of kilometres, on a quest, on a journey, on a pursuit of a baby, a newborn king. We don't know how they knew, but we knew you direct, We know you directed them. We know you guided them. We know you inspired them. We know you led them. They came to find the son. They didn't give up till they found him. And when they found him, they bowed before him. Just a baby he was, but they bowed before him. They opened up their lives and they gave him treasure. God, Father, tonight we... We long to see the signs of you leading us towards you. Help us recognize those signs, those travel guides, the things you've put in our lives, which speak so loudly. You just, you just want us to find you and then get to know you. Help us never to give up. So easy, it's so tempting to give it away and to give it up, but help us to be absolutely determined to know you for the whole of our lives. Lord, inspire us, encourage us, motivate us, convict us to give us, give our whole selves to you, our heart, our faith, our life, our everything. We pray these things in the name of your mighty son who was born to die, the gift of Mur, our saviour, our messiah, our redeemer, the holy one, our life. Pray in his name. Thanks for listening to the Crossroads Church Podcast. If you'd like any more information on our church, how to give, or after this message you'd like to talk to someone, you can find everything you'll need to know on our website, crossroads.co.nz. Make sure you subscribe to this channel to keep up to date with new content, but thanks again, and we'll catch you soon.